Hi, this is Emily Detweiler, CEO of KCBS, and you are listening to Jeff and Len on Baseball and Barbecue, one of my favorite podcasts. Welcome to episode 135 of Baseball and BBQ. I'm Jeff Cohn, along with Hollywood Leonard Aberman and a special guest, Ray Sheehan of Barbecue Buddha. Well, Jeff, I'm very happy to be here. I'm thrilled that Ray's joining us, but I thought Ray was going to do the intro. I wanted Ray to say welcome to Baseball and BBQ. Ray, come on. Hey, you're listening to my favorite podcast. It's the Baseball and Barbecue Podcast with your hosts, Jeff and Len. Wow, that's good. That (laughs) is a keeper. (laughs) That's gold. I got to work on it. But you know what? In my spare time, I I yearn to be the super secret third or fourth co-host for the Baseball and Barbecue Podcast. You yearn? (laughs) I yearn. Let me tell you, I yearn, baby. I yearn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've got this is exciting. We've got Ray joining us. We've got an exciting show. Let me just mention to everyone that our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball fights and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs including live betting and the fan-favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. And we're going to start right now by talking to Ray. We've got some great guests on tonight. We've got Glendon Rush, who, of course, Jeff, who's Glendon Rush? He was a major league pitcher for the Kansas City Royals, New York Mets, Chicago Cubs, Colorado Rockies, and the Milwaukee Brewers. Wow, he got around, didn't he? He did. And he was he was something else. And, of course, we've got Tank Jackson and Tuffy Stone, both of whom we met at Pig Beach, at the benefit that they had, which was just incredible. We've got Tank Jackson and Tuffy Stone. Ray, you were talking before we were recording about Tuffy. You want to tell us that story? Oh, he's a, what a great guy. I mean, beyond being an incredible pit master, and he's a really wonderful teacher as well. I was fortunate enough to take his master competition barbecue class Uh, the Cool Smoke uh, barbecue class down in Richmond, Virginia with him. And like I said, his, you know, his family's just so hospitable. And, you know, I learned so much in the class, really. I mean, and to look around, there were all grand champions around me. 
you know, that were in this class, like that's the level that Tuffy is at, you know, he's, he's really winning uh, tons of like, you know, world titles and, and he doesn't mind teaching it. Like, I feel like, you know, I got a lot out of his class and the food was spectacular. It was a really great weekend. I highly recommend it. Thank you. Yeah. That we, he, you could tell when we spoke to him, he was just, he's so humble. Yeah. Yeah. Humble, humble I mean, word. Humble is a good word. He's so, going to say for someone at, at his level, he's very approachable. He doesn't mind, you know, like I said, he's a good teacher and, you know, we, we share a background where we were both trained um, in the culinary arts and he learned how to do like a, a French kitchen system. And so did I, and, and some of the best chefs in the world, they're really good teachers. They don't, you know, they, they want to encourage the next generation of pitmasters and chefs. And, and I think that's really important. And that's one thing that was a, a big takeaway for me when I took his class was that he, like, I didn't feel like um, other classes were like, they were holding back. You know, he was, he was really giving in the class. Ray, you have, of course, Barbecue Buddha is, is your company. We want to also talk to, we want to talk to you about that. We want to talk to you about uh, an exciting event that's coming up in your life, um, a new venture for you. I think we'll do that in between Blendon and Tank and Tuffy. But right now, if you just want to tell our listeners the special offer that you have from Barbecue Buddha for them for Father's Day, if you could just tell them that. Sure. Uh, so when this episode airs, I believe it's going to be Saturday. So That's right. s- starting Saturday, we are going to be running a promo. You're going to enter code baseball BBQ 15. That's baseball BBQ 15 at checkout on my website. It's bbqbuddha.com. And that's good for all our sauces, rubs, my cookbooks. So I have two cookbooks, award-winning barbecue sauces and how to use them. And my latest book, Big Green Egg Basics uh, from a master barbecuer. Everything, you're going to get 15% off of everything on the website. And that's going to run through through Father's Day. It'll run, I guess, probably about uh, for a few weeks. So uh, just enter code BASEBALLBBQ15 on bbqbuddha.com at checkout. That is great. Ray, you know I love your sauces. I love your rubs. Jeff. Thank you. Absolutely. They're all natural. There's no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So when you buy one of our products, you're getting 100% of the real premium ingredients. And the proof is in the pudding. Once you taste it, I mean, you'll be back. <laughs> Ray, the, the proof is in the sauce. Not the pudding, the sauce. <laughs> well, I put it. I put that ish on everything. So <laughs> you win awards with these products. I mean, what what more? You win awards in in a category that is inundated. You know, it's really it's become everybody yeah. thinks that they have a sauce, but you have proven that you really have an award winning sauce, and it's phenomenal. As far as awards go, we. We just took seventh place at the American Royal Best Sauce on the Planet contest in the vinegar category. A couple months ago, we also received an award, uh, third place at the Awards of Excellence uh, for the National Barbecue Association. And and these are like, I've really cut down the amount of contests that we enter now. It's like, I try to stick to just the bigger ones, like the like these two that we're discussing. But 
it's really a testament to the the quality of the premium natural ingredients that we use, I think, because we're going up against sauces that have high fructose corn syrup that have, you know, kind of like preservatives and artificial this or that. I think the natural products really help it stand out. And the combination of the ingredients and the flavors, they kind of like linger on your palate and like leave you wanting more. So I think that's uh, a good thing. I almost, I almost hate to, like, I don't mean to sound like I'm bragging about it, but it is a very crowded category and to stand out, you really have to be exceptional. And I'm grateful for the, you know, um, the recognition. Yeah. You can Absolutely. brag. Yeah, it, it, not bragging if you can back it up. So <laughs> it's great. Right, exactly. And, and, and remember, enter b- promo code baseball BBQ 15 at checkout on any of uh, Ray's products. Go to bbqbuddha.com. And with that, let's get to Glendon Rush. We here at Baseball and BBQ are thrilled to talk to players who have played in the major leagues. And today's guest is no exception. He's a 12 year major league veteran, played for six clubs originally drafted by the Kansas City Royals in the 17th round of the 1993 June Amateur Draft and made his debut with the Royals at age 22. He was a tough left-handed pitcher who got to pitch in a 2000 World Series. Baseball and BBQ welcomes the pride of Shawcrest High School in Shoreline, Washington. Welcome, Glendon Rush. Welcome, Glendon. Welcome, Glendon. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I like to hear that, uh, the old Shorecrest High School. That goes way back. I like that. You must have been very popular in high school, Glendon. Big uh, baseball star, right? You know, I was a, uh, I, I was kind of a hang with every crowd guy. Uh, I enjoyed getting to know all, all the different crews in my school. So yeah, we had a good time and bunch of, bunch of fun athletes. And uh, you know, I still have, still have good friends from, from high school. Excellent. As I mentioned in the intro, you were drafted in the 17th round. However, you had the opportunity to go to the University of Washington. Was it a hard decision to go pro? At that point in time, it wasn't too difficult. I, I was actually pretty excited to get an opportunity to play professional baseball. And looking back, you know, the percentages are not great uh, when you come out of high school in a lower round like I did to actually make it to the big leagues and make a career out of it. So I was one of the lucky ones. Jeff, I want to bring something to your attention that you may not sure. know. Lendon had a 12-year major league career, and you might think it's his, due to his pitching it's not is due to his hitting ah i think in uh if i'm wrong and of course that would mean the internet was wrong with the milwaukee brewers one year he hit 288 yeah okay and he had a home run that year and the guy is a hitter i mean he could too you know he might have been showy otani but uh (laughs) you know I was going to bring this up later, but I know you hit three home runs in a, in, in your career. We talked we to move Steve Traxel a couple of weeks ago, and he also hit three. Do you remember those three home runs? Do you like talking about them? Oh, of course. Yeah, I talk about those more than I do pitching. No, the, the, <laughs> the, the hitting hitting was great. I love being in the National League. I love I actually love the National League game, you know, the um, double switches, the strategy that goes behind it, the way you use your bullpen, all that stuff, the way you use your bench as a manager. But yeah, hit, hitting homers, is there's nothing like it, and especially in the big leagues to get that opportunity was pretty awesome because I was, in, in my heart, I was a position player all the way through high school and played first base and got to swing the bat. So it was fun to get to do it at the big league level. No, go ahead, okay, Jeff. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Go. You made your debut <laughs> with the Royals on April 6, 1977, and judging from the line score, you fared pretty, pretty well. Eight innings, 
two unearned runs, four hits, four walks. I mean, one walk, four strikeouts, and you came away with the win. Nice debut. How were you told you were made? You made the club out of spring training that year. Uh, that was my first year in in big league camp, actually. So my first year on the forty man roster, I went to camp, and we left spring training in Orlando and went to Colorado to play two exhibition games. And so I was kind of standing down the left field line in Colorado and Bob Boone came up to me and, you know, at that point in time, you don't know because you're, you got your bags packed either to make the big league club and go to Baltimore where, where we started or go to Omaha and start the year in AAA. So I really didn't know. And he came out and uh, Booney told me I, I made the club and that I would start the season in the bullpen in Baltimore and be ready to pitch. And it just so happened that that I didn't get in the game there, and they ended up starting me uh, on that Sunday game in, in Minnesota. That's a, that's a pretty good debut, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it was a great debut. I, I, w- I wish I had a little more notice. Uh, I would have loved to have all of my family there to see it. My, my oldest brother, Rob, flew out. He took a red eye out of Seattle and made it all the way out there. And I remember him showing up like in the mid- halfway through the middle of the night in my hotel and slept on the floor until uh, until the morning, but made it to the game. So that was cool. That's great. Yeah. I love doing the research on our guests and I found out something interesting about you. You played wiffle ball when you were a kid. All the time. Nonstop. Yeah. 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 Now I, I was quite the wiffle ball player. I know surprise you, but I'm, I'm looking at that. Did you ever throw, you know, in wiffle ball, the EFIS pitch? No, I was a, uh, you know, use the, use the holes, on, on the side of the ball, obviously, to your advantage, you know, to be able to throw cutters, sinkers, and then be able to sink the ball, be able to rise the ball. That was, yeah, there's nothing like it. It was, it was fun. Yeah. I, I love wiffle ball. And as I'm, I'm like, you know, they should really have a, a professional wiffle ball league. And of course, I look a little further and apparently they do. <laughs> I guess there was one established in 2009. I don't know if they're still around, but I went on their website and they had merchandise and apparently they have YouTube videos. And so, I mean, maybe if you, uh, you know, want to want to get out that wiffle ball and bat and uh, the chair we use, we as our backstop, we use uh, like a beach chair. And if it hit the chair and it stayed in the chair, it was an out or if it hit, you know, that's how we told pitches, balls and strikes. And maybe, maybe that's, you know, your second career. Yeah, no, I've, I've seen some of those videos you're talking about on YouTube and those guys look impossible to hit. So no, I'm going to retire from wiffle ball. I was the, the, with my crew, my high school crew that we played with, we had a good time and uh, we, we played many, many games, but I love it for just for hand-eye coordination and and getting out and being active. I, I wish kids would do it more now. I remember playing it very, very a long time ago. Yeah. Let's get back to a uh, big league game here, though. Uh, <laughs> the Orioles didn't have a good season in 77, letting their manager go, Bob Boone, through, midway throughout that year. In fact, the years in Kansas City when you were there wasn't very successful for the team. They finished below 500 every every year. Was it a welcome change to be traded to the playoff-bound New York Mets? It was. It was a little shocking. I got traded kind of in an odd odd time of the year in September after the waiver deadline. and But having that opportunity to go there and, and be a part of watching those guys in 99 go down the stretch and eventually win the wild card. They won a one game playoff. Uh, Al Leiter threw a, uh, one of the best games I've ever seen pitched. Oh yeah. It was a gem. Uh, one yeah. game playoff against the Reds in 99. And then, and then, you know, went and 
beat the Diamondbacks in dramatic fashion and go on to go on to play the Braves in the NLCS and lost. But then it kind of set up and springboarded us into next year into 2000, and and we ended up being a World Series team. Yeah, absolutely. Every player has a story about Bobby V, one of your managers. Uh, do you have Do you have one that's suitable for the show? Gosh, I, I mean, I have tons of Bobby V stories, but I, I would say that most of all, Bobby and I developed quite a, a great relationship and a friendship. And and he took care of me when I got to New York. I was a complete fish out of water and had never played in New York, obviously, and didn't know where to live. And he kind of help uh, my wife and I find a place up in Stanford, Connecticut, where he's from. And and so I, it made me feel at home and that, that can be a tough environment. That's not an easy city to play in. And there's a lot of pressure and especially when you don't know where you're going to stay and all that. So it, uh, that was what sticks out to me about Bobby V is kind of the relationship that we developed. Glenda, when you get traded, I, I was thinking about that and I see that you played for a number of teams that I know you were traded to the Mets so I, I'm guessing you could look at it two ways. One is, geez, why did they trade me? They don't want me anymore. Or the other way is, oh, look, the team that traded for me really wants me. Are you, how do you, how did you look at that trade? Well, you look at it, the, oh no, they don't want me anymore. Especially when it's the organization that drafted you and, and you came up through their system, made it to the big leagues with them. And then what you realize is, is the longer you play and, and you kind of see how organizations work is over time, unless you're a, an all-star player for them, they tend to look at what you can't do as opposed to what you can do. And then eventually you, you become, you know, a piece of uh, meat that ends up somewhere else, right? That they, somebody else wants you more than they do. And, and, and that's what happens. And then later on, when I eventually got traded from New York to Milwaukee, it's kind of like, Oh, I know I'm going to get traded because they're talking about it in the media and, and everything else in that offseason that they were going to go out and try and get a hitter. So when I got when I got traded in Milwaukee, I kind of expected it. You know, another thing about Bobby V, you know, on July 14, 2001, you threw a one hitter. That was a fun single in the first inning. I think it was Trot Nixon. But that happened to be Bobby V's 1000th victory. Yeah, I love that one. I still have this cool, uh, you know, kind of a framed. I think it's maybe one of the back pages of one of the New York papers and and how special that day was. And yeah, it was so cool to be a part of that. And the one hitter thing is I was slow covering first uh, on a, on a really good bunt uh, by Trot Nixon and he beat it out. But then eventually I just, I was locked in and, and had a really good day and Armando came in behind me and finished it up. Nice. Speaking of Bobby V. Bobby V said he referred to you as one of the gutsiest pitchers he ever coached. What did he mean by that? Well, you got to have guts when you go out there with stuff like mine. (laughs) (laughs) You mean a fastball that tops out at 88? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I was was not an overpowering guy. I had to, I had to, you know, pitch smart, use command. I was Mm -hmm. a fastball pitcher though. I wasn't afraid to use my fastball, but yeah, I think what Bobby referred to is that I was kind of a somewhat, unknown in the New York market uh, when I showed up there and earned an opportunity in that rotation. And, you know, I went out and and kind of just took advantage of it and pitched the best I could. And I wasn't, I wasn't afraid to, to pitch there. I wasn't scared in playoffs. I, I went out and, and did my job the best I could. And I, I, I kind of think that was a, a compliment of, of what kind of pitcher I was with, especially not having overpowering stuff. You know, Len and I are Mets fans. I, I, I think a lot of us fans, we do appreciate your time with the Mets. I, I got to say that. Oh, yeah. 
I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, I, I really loved it there. And I, I was talking to some, some guys the other day and they were asking me about which teams I kind of still, you know, feel closest to my heart. And it's, I, I'll always be a Met and I'll always be a Cub, uh, nothing against the other teams I played for. I actually loved playing in all six places that I played, but, but uh, the Mets and Cubs, uh, I kind of feel a, a real uh, connection with and still keep up with to this day. Cool. Yeah, I was going to ask you because yeah. you did play for a number of teams. I was going to say which, which, if I said to you, you know, you're going in the Hall of Fame, you know, what hat are you wearing? Well, what? I would have to say the Mets, right? I mean, we were a World Series team, and I was, and I was a part of that, and I'm, I'm extremely proud of that. I'm, there's so many guys that play that sometimes never make it to the playoffs, don't get an opportunity to to pitch or or be a position player in the playoffs, and let alone get to a world series. Now, of course we didn't win, but we ran up against a great team and they were on the back end of winning three in a row. So yeah. uh, it was tough, but that, that would probably be the only thing I would change, you know, about my whole career is if I could have won a world series somewhere. Well, let me talk to you about that world series. Actually, in the 2000 playoffs, you pitched to a 1.08 ERA. That's not too shabby. Uh, I wanted to ask you in game one of the world series, when Todd Zeal hit that, Long ball to left field. Were you thinking run, Timo, run? No, I was. I was thinking, oh my God, did that not get out of the ballpark? Uh, because I was in, you know, I was in the pen and left, so I had a, I had a great view of it, and and I wasn't paying attention at all to Timo. Honestly, I was watching the ball and watching the play and and thinking, what just happened? I thought for sure it was a home run. It's so funny. Everyone goes back and talks about that play and. You know, it could be a difference maker, no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, that was such a rough game because we had a three-two lead going into the ninth, and and they scraped a run off Armando, and then and then wore us down and beat us in extra innings. Now I'm going to tell you something that I know I'm in the minority, big time. But in 2000, the Mets finally get to the World Series. The Mets have not been. I know this is going to shock anyone listening. The Mets have not been to the World Series that many times. The Yankees have been there a lot. And everyone's all excited. Oh, it's a Subway Series. This is going to be great. I couldn't stand the fact that the Yankees were in it because as a Met fan, I hated the fact that I had to share that spotlight in New York with the Yankee fans. The Yankees have had so many. Let the Mets have one whether we win or lose, but let us have one. But no, we had to be in it with them. I know it was exciting playing in the Subway Series with the Yankees. I get that. I did not like it. So I'm just telling you how, how I felt. It's an interesting take. I had a huge dilemma because you know who the other team was, and it was it was my hometown Mariners. <laughs> and so, so the whole time I was going, because we, we had clinched, and I'm watching the, the Yankees Mariners series. And I'm thinking to myself, if I end up in my first ever World Series against my hometown team of Seattle, how many tickets am I going to have to get? How many people <laughs> am I going to have to deal with? And not only that, the travel so that, you know, uh, selfishly for our, from our perspective, I think it was nice. We didn't have to travel cross country in the middle of a World Series either. But I see where you're coming from. It would have been would have been an interesting series to play Seattle because they were loaded that year, too. But but uh, it was it was cool playing in New York and the, and the city was electric. But, yeah, I could see from a fan's perspective, you have a you have a little bit of a selfish notion of saying, eh, I don't know if I want to share the spotlight with the Yankees fans. 
Yeah. You know, you just triggered something for me. I didn't write this down or anything, but how was your relationship with Jay Horowitz? Because you mentioned tickets, getting things. Well, he's just beloved. So I'm sure you have a couple of stories about Jay Horowitz. Awesome. Jay, I, I sent him a message the other day when they, uh, you know, when they named uh, the press press mm-hmm. box after him at, at City Field. And I told him congratulations and how much I love him. And uh, I also told him I, I wish I could be there to see you bounce it. <laughs> his, his ceremonial first pitch. So he he got a kick out of that, of course. But I'll see Jay. Um, I'll, I'm actually going to come back in August for uh, they invited me back for old timers day. So oh, I'm going nice. to see Jay. And Excellent. I was, I, I was there last year when we did the 20th anniversary of the nine 11 team. And I got to see Jay <laughs> then, but we keep in very regular contact and he's, he's one of the best, if not the best, you know, guy that you could ever possibly work with. And what a big heart and wonderful guy. He and was, was on this show. Yeah, he was on this show. Was, yes. So when you see him, just remind him. Say, I, I love those guys from baseball and barbecue. I actually, I actually, I actually worked for him in 1984 as an intern for the for the public relations department. So I got oh, to know awesome. him. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 amazing. He, I mean, he could do ten things at one time, and you would think he's doing zero things at one time. That was it was that was probably his greatest asset. Yeah. And I wanted to follow up when you said the 20th anniversary at the uh, city field for the uh, 20, uh, 9-11. What kind of emotions did that bring back when you walked out there with your teammates? Oh, wow. A lot, a lot. It was special to be back there. It, it brings back a lot of sadness and sorrow and hurt that, that everyone went through in that city uh, at the time that we were there, but also uh, uplifting to see for us to come walking out with all the workers from from New York, you know, from first responders and, and everybody that was a part, so so much a big part of 9-11. And so it was cool to see that that crew and and kind of all be together. And great to see our, my old teammates again and, and be around those guys was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Now, you were growing up, you rooted for the Seattle Mariners and the Atlanta Braves. That's, again, a little internet research. But I also saw that your uh, favorite two favorite players were Dwight Gooden, Doc, of course, and Daryl Strawberry. And you wore number 18 for Daryl Strawberry, which you only stopped wearing it because Johnny Damon had it. Yeah, yeah. Johnny, uh, Johnny was a year ahead of me in the, it, with Kansas City. So he was 92 draft. I was 93. And I basically followed him all the way up the minor league system and wore 18 every year. I wore 18 every year in high school uh, from my freshman year through graduating and then all the way to AAA. And of course, when I got to the big leagues, he had seniority over me and he was a quite a heck of a player. So uh, I never messed with it again. So yeah, I always dreamt that I would get to wear it in the big leagues at some point, but I, I didn't end up doing it. But yeah, I love, love straw, love doc. I got to see, um, Daryl in at, at the 9-11 game that we just talked about. I got to see him last year. So it was great. And I I went up and talked to him a little bit. And but yeah, I growing up in Seattle, of course, it was all Mariners. And then uh the Braves were the team on TV all the time, right? So that yeah. kind of became my National League team. My dad and I followed them a lot when I was young. So, but I I love watching all those players. And and then for the Mariners, it was Griffey and Buner and Edgar and all those guys were coming through when I was in high school and, and everything and the big unit. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, I'm getting a chance to face them. So that was wow. pretty special. That is pretty special. <laughs> I, I'm sure you've been asked this question a million times, but I'm going to ask you a million and one. Which hitter had your number and which 
number did you have? What hitter's number did you have? He, uh, he said Johnny Damon had number 18. You oh, I'm know sorry. What I meant. <laughs> yeah. Cal Ripken got me a couple times early in my career. He hit, he, he swung it pretty well against me. Bernie Williams wore me out. I couldn't uh-huh. get Bernie Williams out. No, for some, for some reason, he just destroyed me. And then I had lots of good battles with, in the central with, with Bagwell, Biggio, Pujols, of course. Um, Albert was, I always, people always ask you, who's the best hitter you ever faced? And I faced a lot of really good hitters, mm-hmm. but I always felt like Albert in his, you know, in his prime was, could do the most damage in the most different ways, especially against left-handed pitching. He was difficult on me. Um, I, I didn't really have a place to specifically go get him out. And and if you made mistakes, he was going to hurt you. Um, but yeah, I, I was lucky. I got to face everybody and mm-hmm. and I got to face some older players of the generation that was kind of shifting over in that, in that late nineties, I got to face Eddie Murray and Paul Molitor and and some guys when I first came up that were really, really cool to, you know, just to say you got to face them. Sure. You know, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Adam Dunn got you seven times, seven times. Yeah. 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 And and actually Bronson Arroyo pitcher got you back-to-back games. Yeah. He got me twice. Yeah. (laughs) And back-to-back games. How's that? You know, Adam Dunn's a funny one because I was very, I don't know why, but I was just always very aggressive with him and fastball heavy with him. And he hammered me and I, and I guess I didn't make a very good adjustment because he kept getting me. Wow. Great hitter. That, I mean, you got to bring up, I mean, why bring it up the bad things, you know? Hey, look, he's 12 years in the majors. That's not bad. Yeah. That's what, Hey, that's what I tell the kids, man. When I talk to all the kids that I coach with my sons and everything and, you know, they'll give me a hard time occasionally about Homer. And I'm like, hey, man, if you stick around long enough, you're going to give up a bunch of them. That's that's kind of an honor and a badge. And you hit three dingers. Yeah, I got three. <laughs> now, now, Glendon, being from Seattle and I told Jeff, I said, I have a little surprise planned. Jeff has no idea what it is. But, I, you know, I like to I, I like to have a little fun. And it as long as nobody gets hurt. So just make sure you wear in bubble wrap. Um, you being from Seattle are a big Pearl Jam fan. Yes. And by the way, I, I was looking it up. I think they're going to be in Louisville, Kentucky in September. They are. Right. I, already have, I already have my passes. I'm ready All to right. roll. All yeah. right, good. So I, I know you're a big Pearl Jam fan, but I wanted to see how big a Pearl Jam fan you are. Okay. Oh yeah. All right. So, and and we are so high tech that for yeah. I have I have a speaker. Yeah, I have an iPad. Oh my! And, and we're gonna try and make this work. So, oh boy, we're gonna play. We're gonna play everyone's favorite game, <laughs> and it's called Name That Pearl Jam Tune. All right, let's do it. <laughs> let's see how well I do. And, and Jeff's just like, oh, how to get I, into how, this? How, how deep into the catalog are you going? Oh, not not no, I'm not. Okay, I'm not going. Yeah, I'm just going basic, you know, popular hits. Okay, okay. Yeah, right. I'm not going that deep, but I think you could probably get them. So here yeah. we go. Let's let, let's give it a try. See, this is this is such high tech that the speaker turned off while we were talking. <laughs> so, uh, Jeff, maybe you want to ask him something, or or no, are you going to edit no Pearl this? Jam question. <laughs> I have no Pearl Jam oh, okay, question. there you go. <laughs> I heard that Pearl Jam once held up a concert for you guys, you and. One of your teammates, I think it was Kerry Wood, to get to the concert. <laughs> that's good. Uh, that's some good recon right there. That is a true story. <laughs> uh, Eddie Vedder was thrown out. Eddie was thrown out the first pitch at Wrigley. 
I don't remember what day of the week it was, but the day before they were playing the United Center in Chicago and the following night was the concert. And for whatever reason, we had a night game that night, which is unusual for the Cubbies. We usually play a lot of day games. And so Eddie told us the day before, he said, he said, you guys just jam out of the game as quick as you can get to the loading dock at the United Center. We'll have somebody bring you in and we'll just keep playing encores until you guys get there. And sure enough, when we showed up, they walked us out and they were just finishing the, the main first set of the show. And they ended up coming back out and playing three encores and like 11 more songs that night. So we basically, we, we were fortunate enough to have a, a lot of addition on the, what, what would be a normally incredible show, but we got kind of our own little show at the end. It was awesome. Nice. All right, here we go. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for filling that. Actually, that's a great story. You spent some time as a pitching coach. And yeah. one of your pupils was Joey Lucchese. Joey now, Lucchese. Yes, Joey Fuego. Yeah, he's now with the Mets as a churve. How about a little scouting report on, on him? I know he's uh, injured right now, but uh, he's supposed to be pretty good. Yeah, he's real good. He'll be back. I think he's shooting for towards the end of the summer, I think was a realistic timetable for him. Good fastball, funky delivery, the churve that everybody talks about, which is for for people out there who don't know what that is. It was a made up word uh, that the guys started calling it in San Diego, but it's his changeup can take on the spin similar to a curveball, which is unusual, right? It it can it can take on the shape of a curveball and and some spin like that and. And sometimes it was so difficult for the guys to chart him when we when we had him in Lake Elsinore and in the minor leagues with the Padres. They they couldn't tell the difference sometimes between a curveball and a, and a changeup, which is pretty crazy. But yeah, great stuff, great kid, love him. I'm excited to see him back and healthy, hopefully soon. Should we try this again? Let's do it. <laughs> one more time. Let's let's try it one more time. Here we go. Name that tune. Sounded like Yellow Leadbetter. You are correct. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Jeff, we need the bell. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> We're going to do another one. All right. You got it? Even flow. There's no fool in him. I, no, wait, Jeff. You know, Glenn, uh, uh, Glenda, I'm surprised you're not a Rush fan. I am oh, a Rush fan. I love wait, Rush. wait. Uh, Jeff. I got to just tell you, Glennon. So Jeff comes on now, I guess, I guess Jeff, that's way Jeff's way of saying this game's over, but, (laughs) but Jeff comes on and he says, I wonder if he's a rush fan. So I'm thinking to myself, I I said, I'm thinking. So I said, Jeff, ask him about Estelle Getty. You know, of course the rush lead singer is Getty Lee, but I said Estelle Getty, which is golden girls, but I couldn't do that to him. I couldn't do that to Jeff. No, I do. I do really love Rush. Uh, they, they, in fact, the, the Milwaukee guys always used Rush songs uh, as my walkout songs when I pitched in Milwaukee, and that was kind of you know we're talking twenty years ago. So guys, it wasn't just a standard that every guy had walkout songs, and a lot of times you know the stadiums would play stuff for you, or you didn't necessarily request it. And uh, yeah, the Milwaukee guys always played Rush songs, which was cool because I'm a big fan. Jeff, I went through all that. You're not going to let me do a couple more songs? One more. One more Let's time. do it. One more. All right. Here we go. Oh, I can hear it now. Did you get it? 
It's off. Hold on. I know it's it's off the Versus album, correct? Because it might be the first song. Is that Go or is that Animal? Animal. Animal. There, there we go. go. I got All it. right. There you go. All <laughs> right. I'm going to end. I'm going to end the game because you're okay. three for three. Like All you right. hit three home runs. <laughs> and and Jeff, if if anybody, it's so good that this is audio because Jeff is like, <laughs> I can't believe we've got Glennon Rush. <laughs> and he's doing this game. But you know what, Jeff? Come on. Wait till we get to the barbecue questions. Ah. Then, then it's going to really get funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Glendon. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> You've played with uh, Mike Piazza, obviously. Yes. Any other teammates stand out that you played with? Well, gosh, there's there's too many to list. If I start in Kansas City, there's Jeff Montgomery and Kevin Apier and Tim Belcher and uh, those guys that I got not an opportunity to play with pretty awesome and then and then new york it's mike and how about ricky henderson ricky henderson yeah i got to play with ricky awesome i loved it the the pitchers too many to name you know but man al Leiter and johnny franco and dennis cook and mike hampton and all those left-handed guys that i got to be around in new york were huge influences on me and helped me out a lot and then greg maddox man and in you know being around greg and three years in Chicago, part of a year in, in San Diego. And I had his brother as my pitching coach in Milwaukee. And uh, of course, finished out with playing with a couple of Hall of Famers. One's not in the Hall of Fame yet, and he should be Todd Helton, but he should be there soon. And and Trevor Hoffman, man, I got to be with Hoffman in San Diego. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. But I, that, that doesn't even do justice to that. I could probably sit here for five hours and list off guys you know, from every team that I got to play with that were incredible teammates and fun to be around and, and be a part of it's, you know, it's a huge fraternity and we all spend so much time together on the road and at home that it's, you, you develop and, some special and, bonds with all those guys. And in, back in 2006, you had a very serious life-threatening, very serious, but you had a life-threatening blood clot in your lung. Yeah. And you, you recovered from that. I did. I was, I was lucky. My, my, our doc there in Chicago, uh, Dr. Adams took, took great care of me and got me to the ER at Northwestern and ran all the tests in good enough time that I didn't lose enough oxygen to, it's a fatal issue if, if you lose enough oxygen. And, uh, I was on, on that path, but got out of it. So I, I was lucky and I was out for eight about 18 months before I came back and, and made the team with the Padres. So it was pretty special to get an op, not only to get an opportunity to come back and play, but to come back and make a big league team was pretty incredible. Well, what happened? To, I mean, how did you, how'd you know something was wrong? Did you uh, have trouble breathing? Yeah. Breathing, chest pain, lost a lot of color. Mark Pryor was my guy and he was in the weight room with me. It was just the two of us. And I was on the treadmill and, and I was stark white and he's like, you don't look right. And I didn't feel right. I was having trouble breathing and that's kind of how it started. But mm-hmm. yeah. So, and, and I, you end up on blood thinners for, I was on them for a year, but you could possibly be on them for the rest of your life. But luckily I, uh, the doc only kept me on them for a year and then gave me the opportunity to come back. Yeah. And you played for a couple more years. That, that was, that's great. Yeah. 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 My one goal, you know, always to be was, I think every guy's goal is to be a 10 year major leaguer in service time and, I didn't get that 10th year of service, the the year that I had the blood clot, even though I had one more year on my contract, they weren't able to keep me on the, on the 60 day DL that year because they needed roster spots. 
so I came back and earned it. I did it myself. So I, I think it was even more special to do that, to come back and actually play and be an active guy to get that last year plus of service time. That's great. Uh, I, did, I did want to ask you about another one of your teammates with the Mets was Robin Ventura. Were you yes. there when he did his famous Mike Piazza impression? I was. Yeah. If you guys go, if you guys go back and watch that video, it's, you know, it's all over YouTube and they always bring it out every year, but watch on the rail on the bench. You can see my big, dumb smiling face right next to Piazza laughing like crazy. I mean, I was, yeah, I was going crazy and that, I'm glad you brought up his name because that's, you know, those guys, Robin and, and Todd Zeal and Edgardo Alfonso and Ray Ordonez and all the guys. And, you know, we became really close. And then the young guys, Jay Payton and, and Benny Ogbayani on that team, too. Um, we were the young guys. You know, we had uh, I, I think I was still carrying the beer on the bus and the plane. And I had like three years in the big leagues. <laughs> that's that's how old that team was, you know, with veteran leadership. So usually the rookies are carrying the beer. And I had like three years in the big leagues and I was still carrying the beer. Wow. You know, Len and I are on, on Long Island, but Algaro Alfonso is now the manager of the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, which is in the Atlantic League. So yeah, in the that. yeah. And, yeah. And his pitching coach is is Nelson Figueroa. Yeah, Figgy, I saw that too. Yeah. yeah. No, I just I saw Fonzie at the um, at the nine eleven anniversary last year. Mm-hmm. Spent some time with him and Ray. Ray was there too, Ordonia. So it was great to catch up with them and love Figgy. Figgy and I played together in Milwaukee, so we had a lot of fun together. Yeah, Fig is a yeah, great we, guy. Yeah, he he was on here. He was fantastic. Glendon, I heard a great story that I, I, I want you to share with our listeners, if you could, regarding I mentioned Ricky Henderson because you had a great story. I, I don't want to give any of it away, but if you, I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. You yeah, talk. I do. Um, so R- Ricky, of course, uh, having the amount of experience and, and long tenured major leader that he was for fans at home or people who don't know, when you get on the buses, usually the manager sits in the front seat. Or if you're Ricky Henderson, you sit in the front seat, right? Because you've you've earned it and you've been around that long. So Ricky would always sit in the front seat of our players' bus, and I would sit maybe like halfway back and usually share a uh, an aisle with Pat Mahomes, with Patrick Mahomes' dad, Pat Senior. And uh, and so he always joked around in spring training, and that was the year I was fighting for a job. And Pat would say, "Man, I asked Ricky the other day, you know who's." who's making the team or who's going to be our fifth starter. And he's like, man, lefty's got that locked up. <laughs> and, he, and, and, you know, cause Ricky's famous for not necessarily knowing guys' names, but you give him a nickname or whatever. So he, he, he always called me lefty. So, so we get a little ways into the season and we're on a bus after a, a flight and Pat reaches up and turns on the overhead light and shining down on me. And he starts yelling up at the front at Ricky. And he's like, Ricky, Ricky, who is this? And Ricky turned around and looked back. He didn't say anything. And then Pat still keeps on him, right? He's like, no, no, Ricky, who is this? And he turns around <laughs> again. And I won't say the exact words he said, but he's like, you know who that is. That's Lefty. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that was the famous. Uh, I remember I told that uh, story to uh, Charlie Steiner, the, you know, the longtime Dodgers announcer and everything. And still to this day, if I run into Charlie, he's like, hey, what's up, Lefty? <laughs> so yeah, no, that was that was the Ricky one of the one of the funny Ricky stories. He was a great teammate. Loved loved uh, hanging out with him and getting to know him. Now, you know, Glendon, you also had something I saw on the internet. I don't think you're doing it anymore, but it's called the Rush Hour. Is that are you still doing that? Or? No, I'm not. Unfortunately, I was I was doing some really cool stuff with 
My neighbor uh, does, he's the VP of marketing for Twin Spires and Churchill Downs. And I was doing some stuff with their sports book and they're kind of shifting out of the sports book world and just sticking with uh, horse racing and everything else. So I was doing some really cool interviews during the pandemic where I was, you know, just interviewing ex-teammates or or guys that I played with or a musician or an actor or, and, uh, you know, uh, kind of as a brand ambassador for them. And so who knows down the road, I might get an opportunity to do something like that again, but I really enjoyed it. I loved interviewing people and uh, it, it, it was a lot of fun. Well, in that vein, I see you, you went in a while, you're on that ball9.com with Kevin Kiernan and doing some videos on there. So I, I, I can see how much you enjoy doing that. Yeah, I do. I do. I love going on with those guys and Kevin's great. And, and uh, I love going on talking baseball and, you know, it's, it, a lot of it becomes a lot of the conversations we've had on, on there have, have just kind of talked about the shift in, in the game and how it's changed and, you know, some of the new rules, some of the, you know, the way guys pitch, the way guys swing the bats, whatever, but it's, it's an interesting conversation. I always, always like uh, being a part of it. Yeah. Kevin's not a big fan of the new, 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 uh, new way that baseball's played. No, he's an old school guy. He's, you know, look, he's gone, he's seen everything and, you know, with whatever 40 plus years of covering baseball and everything he's done. So I, I love hearing his perspective and his opinion on stuff. It's great. And, you know, I don't think we get as good of an opportunity while we're playing to develop those types of relationships with the media and the guys that cover you and everything else. Um, I always had great relationships with him, but I don't think you get to look at it from the same perspective because while you're playing, you're in the middle of trying to perform and, and do, do what you're supposed to do. So it's, it's a little more difficult. So I wanted to follow up what, when I was asking you about the rush hour as a former player, do you get approached with a lot of opportunities? Some that you are crazy, some that are good. And do, do you kind of get approached with a lot of, you know, we need, we want you to do this or that. Yes and no. I mean, I think everyone that kind of wants to put their foot in the water as a coach, you know, guys do that. I obviously did that for a few years. I, I loved it. Yes, I, I think there's there's always things that come out. And now with the way everything guys doing podcasts and radio shows and, and all different types of media formats that are out there, I think there's a lot of opportunity. I, I try and be as as cool as I can and go on when you know like when you guys asked me to come on I was mm-hmm. more than happy to do it and 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 I enjoy doing doing stuff like this it's fun well this this of course doesn't pay any bills for you or us <laughs> yeah no look that's that's the uh, that's the beauty I guess the beauty and the bad of 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 this right is everyone can can do it uh so to speak and can come out and and have have shows but it, it would be great if if there were better ways to monetize it at times, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> we're going to start charging our guests. <laughs> you know, a couple of your former managers are still managing in, in 2022. Uh, Dusty Baker. Yeah. Uh, Bud Black is still out there. So yeah, they're doing great. They're awesome, man. I love playing for both those guys. Dusty and I are, are real good buddies and still keep in contact. And I, I reach out and say hi to Buddy Black every once in a while. Love, love being around him. And of course, he was managing when I was coaching in the minor leagues for them. So it was, it was fun to be around that crew all the time. I know uh, Clint Hurdle's doing something too, isn't he? Is he a, a special assistant somewhere? Or? Not I thought sure. I saw he was too. I'm not sure. I think one of your yeah. old teammates, though, Todd Pratt, is managing in the minor leagues somewhere. Yeah, I saw Todd's managing, and yeah, I. Re- 
it's it's fun. Uh, coaching was fun because you definitely run across some old guys that you either played with or played against, and mm-hmm. it's cool. Well, you know, Glendon, one of the things uh, I just read an article on Jeremy Hefner. The pitchers are all, you know, they're all doing great and everyone's raving about Jeremy Hefner. And that's fantastic. One of the things that they're saying is that, you know, his age, he's they feel like he just pitched and he's more, you know, fellow. I I don't even know how to, you know what I mean? He's just like more in their category or whatever. So you were a pitching coach in this San Diego organization, right? And it made me think, you know what, Glendon, maybe that you know, is something that he must've been good at or whatever. Do you have any goals of, or do you want to do more of that? I guess that's a very long winded way of asking. Well, yeah, I do. I, I, I could see myself doing something in that space down the road. The, the only reason I left was because my boys are, uh, or my boys at the time were one going into high school and, and one coming into middle school. And, and I wanted to be around more because you end up being gone more as a coach probably than you are as a player. Cause you spend a lot of time, you know, prep work and then writing reports after the game and meetings and all that fun stuff. So it's a lot, but I, I loved it. And down the road, if I got an opportunity to do it again, I, I think I would love to do it. And it just has to be the right, right time and right setting. Well, something like that. Do you, do you have to seek that out or do they seek you out that the, the first time I did it, they seek me out. It was Mark Pryor had just taken the job as the pitching coordinator for the Padres. And there was a couple special assistants there that were good teammates and buddies of mine, Trevor Hoffman and Mark Loretta. Uh, so they all reached out to me and asked me to come down and interview um, for a, for a pitching coach position in the minor leagues and preferably Lake Elsinore. Cause that was close to where we were living in Southern Cal. So that's how that worked. Now, if I were to do it again, I would have to go out and make the rounds and reach out to people to get back in it. I think you've got to do that. And Mark Pry now is the pitching coach for the uh, Dodgers. Yep. Yeah, Mark, uh, doing a great job. He's he's tremendous. I mean, you could see immediately. I mean, he walked into our job as the pitching coordinator, which you guys know is not an easy job. You're overseeing the whole minor league organization's pitchers. And that was his first job. That was before he had even been a pitching coach. So, so to, to take that job on first was amazing. And he's great at it. And I knew he'd be a, a great major league pitching coach someday after, after he a couple of years in the bullpen. And now I think this is his third year now with the, with the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. I heard you're still close with uh, Jeremy Burnett. I am. Jeremy and I are good buddies. Yeah. One of my favorites. He's a uh, beauty. Yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah, great guy. We play golf together and our families have been friends forever. And it was a co- cool story. You know, we, we played against each other. Then we were traded for each other. And then we became teammates after that and really good buddies. So it was kind of a cool evolution to how we uh, became real good buds. That's great. Now, Glendon, I don't know if you are or not, but are you a barbecue fan? That's the first thing. I am. I'm a, okay. I'm a, well, is it considered me grilling whatever my wife tells yeah. me? To grill? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a course. fan. Of course. Okay. Yeah. I love it. So Kentucky is where you, so you are in Kentucky yeah. and Kentucky, one of the, one of the staples of barbecue in Kentucky is mutton. Mutton. Right. Which, which is old, is basically an older sheep. Okay. And 
I don't know if you've eaten your share of mutton. It sounds like maybe you haven't, but Never um, <laughs> it reminded no. me of a, it was a Seinfeld episode and, and uh, where Jerry uh, had some mutton. And mm-hmm. I think, Jeff, is this the one where he spits it out in the cloth yes. napkin? Yes. And then he throws the napkin out and they yes. find it in the garbage or something? Or, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, so, not, never tried it. I'm a, I'm a basic, basic package. Burgers, dogs, steaks, you know, chicken. Uh, I do love ribs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have one of my favorite ribs in the country right up the road here in Cincinnati. Montgomery Ann makes some of the greatest ribs if you guys have never tried those. You can yeah. fly them in, wow. send them on dry ice, and then you just put them on your grill for like four minutes on each side, and they are terrific. Well, we are inviting you. Jeff doesn't even know this because <laughs> this is, but if you're ever on the island and you are in our area, you know, we would like to invite you to have some ribs. <laughs> no mutton. Right. We won't make mutton. No, <laughs> ribs we make. No mutton. <laughs> no mutton. All right. <laughs> Glenn, we, we really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, people could meet you on Twitter, right? What's your Twitter handle? I'm, uh, I believe I'm just at Glendon Rush. Yeah. Yeah. Glendon, it was such a pleasure talking to you. Uh, thank you very much. And all the best for you, what you're doing now. What are you doing now anyway? I'm the most overqualified first base coach in high school baseball right now. <laughs> so I, I, stand, I stand over at first and tell the guys how many outs there are. And I collect all the Evo shields that they hand me when they get hits. If you guys know what the, you know, all the armor yeah. that everyone wears now, mm-hmm. yeah, uh-huh. all the kids have them. So that's what I do. I just tell them I collect all their Evo shields. <laughs> they they have them in at that level. They, oh, they, yeah. Oh, yeah. They well, of course. That's, that's the marketing uh, scheme, right? You see the uh, major leaguers wearing them, and then all the high school guys have to have them, right. too. So do they all have the yellow canary colored, you know, uh, uh, arm things, you know, that Cespedes wore and those things? Oh, yeah. They have everything. They're all custom. And yeah, they're cool. My son has them. He's got the, you know, he's got like his name on one of the straps. And oh, really? They're, yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, they do a good job. Well, yeah. as long as you're having fun, that's that's all that matters, right? It's a blast. I love being around the kids. I love watching them compete, and that that's what it's all about, right? Yep. You know, baseball is, is is a fun game, and and it's it's great to see them get to go out there and do it, and and actually enjoy doing it. And and before we let you go, Glendon, and I'll let Jeff wrap up, but I did see and hear that you are one of, and I will agree now that you are one of the nicest people in baseball. You really. So thank you for coming on the show. And that rumor is true. You are definitely one of the <laughs> nicest people in baseball. So well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I, thank I, you. I always I always took pride in, you know, being a, a, a good dude and a, a gentleman and, and a good teammate. And I think uh, that hopefully that shows through. Yeah, you yes. are a good dude. And London and I will be out there on Old Timers Day uh, rooting you on when you come out to the crowd. Sounds good. I'm getting my arm ready now, man. I'm ready to pitch. I told right. him I'm in. I'm I'm ready to give him an inning. So I'm going to throw it right down the middle for whoever's hitting. So tell those guys to be ready. <laughs> Thank you very much, Glendon. All right. See you guys. Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musings Podcast. And if you want a lip-smacking, finger-licking good podcast, then you got to listen to Baseball and BBQ with Lennon Jeff. They have the best guests and the best recipes on all the internet. So check it out. Baseball and BBQ.
Jeff, Ray, Glendon Rush was, as we like to say, wow. That was great. He was terrific. As as good an interview as a pitcher. That's absolutely right. <laughs> and he, he really was uh, very gracious with his time and, and had some great stories. He's a you know really good guy. You know, it's so funny because I'm saying Ray, but, you know, we play the interview. I, 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 Ray, Ray wasn't there for the interview, but, you know, give give him time. He might he might be. <laughs> so, Ray, let's talk now. OK, we've got baseball BBQ 15 at checkout on Barbecue Buddha. But let's talk about we've we've talked about the company Barbecue Buddha, but you have a very special announcement. Well, you've made the announcement already, but you've got a new venture coming up. So it's I'm crossing off another bucket list item. I've have all these little, well, not little, big bucket list things, you know, start a company, write a cookbook, and now we're opening a restaurant. And the name of the restaurant is uh, Ray's Roadside Kitchen. It's basically, it's on a major thoroughfare that would be, it's in New Jersey, and it's on a major thoroughfare that would lead through the Pine Barrens down to go to the shore. We really hope to be a, a really, I don't know, more of like a community-minded place where people can come to a few times a week rather than a special occasion restaurant. I'm going to be serving a lot of like my favorite comfort foods, stuff that I've done with my catering business in the past, um, some of my most popular dishes. And yes, there will be barbecue. Of course, there'll be barbecue, but a lot of comfort food. When you think of that, what comes to mind? I love Southern fried chicken. I've spent a lot of time in the South. I've cooked down there. I've done competitions down there. And I really want to bring it up here, but like a really great version of some Southern fried chicken, some burgers that are going to be ground fresh daily, you know, big bowl salads. The menu is going to be kind of eclectic, but there's going to be something for everybody. I know that's a little cliche, but I want the person that wants to come in and get this like really awesome burger or a brisket sandwich to then if somebody else comes with them that they can get like a really awesome salad, maybe with a protein on it, some baked goods. I was a baker for a long time. So I really want to you know, flex some of my baking skills. You know, even if we just do simply, you know, brownies, cookies, uh, my cheesecake, people love the cheesecake. So we got to do the cheesecake. You know, there's going to be something for everybody. We're also going to be featuring local products. Like there's this really awesome coffee company down here called Pinelands Roasters Coffee. I use his coffee to make cold brew, but we're going to serve it, his coffee brewed, and we're going to sell it by the bag, local jams, jellies, honey. We'll we'll have my sauces and we're going to have my cookbooks available for sale and some different, you know, our shirts and hats and all that kind of stuff. It's this, I'm like so excited. I can't wait. It's Ray's Roadside Kitchen. And that is going to be located at 465 Route 539 in Cream Ridge, New Jersey. Nice. Jeff, what kind of comfort food? When you think of comfort food, what do you think of? Let's see if Ray will put it in in the restaurant. Anything edible. That's my comfort food. I got that that covered. That one I got. Yep. Edible. (laughs) Edible, yes, definitely. So when you're on, on the way down to the Jersey Shore, stop by Ray's Roadside Kitchen. I am sure it's going to. When's the grand opening? So we're looking at the end of July, beginning of August. I will definitely keep you guys in the loop. 
And I'm hoping that you'll be able to come down and we're going to have like a soft opening kind of a media day where you can try the food and then we'll do like a friends and family soft opening. And then, you know, we have to, nice. I'm going to let it run for probably a week before we do the grand opening. So see, but, I like fried chicken sounds amazing. Meatloaf is a comfort food, macaroni and cheese, spaghetti and meatballs. Yes. Those are, those are for me, comfort foods. Chicken Parmesan. Yeah, chicken parmesan you know, is definitely but, a comfort or food. Or roast roast chicken. Roast chicken mm-hmm. is comforting. Sure, with um, mashed potatoes and gravy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. With this, we can do anything. And uh, my partner in this, I do have a partner in this business and actually now in my barbecue sauce business as well. Uh, my partner, his family, they're in the grocery business. So, you know, they have a never-ending supply of connections to different products that we can get. And we plan on featuring locally grown, locally grown produce as well. There's in, in my area, there are tons of family farms that we can look to for, you know, our staple items, you know, in the store. Right. Uh, just one question before we get to uh, Tuffy Stone and Tank Jackson, is there going to be a dress code for, for your restaurant? Yeah, you have to wear clothes. You have yep. to wear clothes. I just you want have to make to wear sure clothes. that right. was uh, that, that edible food and not naked. You ha- edible right, food no. and not naked. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, you're going to want to wear clothes. It's going to be a casual place. You know, uh, you could pick up a bucket of chicken on your way down to the shore. I will do. I will do some special events. I'll probably sneak in some barbecue classes and some cooking classes here and there. And we are going to have a plate of the day. So the, the plate of the day could be. You know, like say maybe Saturday could be ribs, you know, barbecue ribs or brisket or, you know, pretty much anything. If we can get a, a good deal on, you know, some, you know, uh, steaks, then maybe that'll be a steak, you know, steak night or something like I think there's there's no end to what we can do as far as like doing like specials. So my my theory is basically under promise over deliver. And, you know, really showcase our cooking skills in that way. Wow. That's great. I just want to remind everybody, if you want to contact the show, give us a call at 516-855-8214. Email us, baseballandbbq at gmail.com. Give us a comment on our Facebook page, Baseball and BBQ. Tweet us. You know, we have the Twitter at Baseball and BBQ. Our Instagram is Baseball and BBQ. I'm sorry, baseball and barbecue with barbecues all spelled out. Our website is www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. And please rate and review us. We and subscribe. And subscribe. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And, and when we return from Tank and Tuffy, we will have a question for Jeff and for Ray. And maybe I'll answer it as well. And we'll remind you again how to save on the incredible products at Barbecue Buddha. So let's get to Tank, Jackson, and Tuffy Stone. Tank Johnson? Jackson. 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 That's all right. Nobody gets my name, so. Jackson's a lot easier than, than Haberman. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, Tully City Hogs. I'm a pig farmer in Charleston. I raise heirloom oh. hogs, and I sell New York, New Orleans, Nashville, Miami, oh, Atlanta. So <laughs> we ask the real tough questions because, you know, we're baseball and barbecue, known for the tough ones. So here's the first tough question. The name Tank. Given name at birth or nickname? No, given. My mother loved me. That's, you know, it's funny because we were talking to Tuffy Stone and 
I always I thought his name T-Bone. was, <laughs> you know, so you never know what's a nickname and what's not, you sure, know? Sure, So now you said you're a pig farmer, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So I know when, when you, if you don't know anything about barbecue, you think every pig is the same until you really start researching and you find out that every pig is different, just like every chicken's different. Every I raised some of the rarest pigs in the world. I raised the Osabal Island pig, the first pig in America, in the Americas. Came with the Spanish conquistadors. It was on Osabal Island, Georgia, untouched by man for hundred, like probably seven hundred years. Really? And I raised those uh, pure, and then I raised an old line Duroc that goes back to the eighteen hundreds. So as far as barbecue goes, I'm um, obviously the, whole hog, baby, whole yeah. hog. But which one is going to be like which? That's going to be my Duroc. The Osceola is a charcuterie pig. Uh, we use that to make cured meats, salumis. Okay, so the Duroc, which I've heard of. So there's a lot of people here that are cooking whole hog, and that's is that what they're using? Is Durocs? You know, I'm not sure. I don't think they are. Uh, it may be a commodity cross. Well, I raise pigs outdoors, wild and free, humanely. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're hippie pig farmers. They're all named and petted. But uh, I think the hogs are cooking over here have no tails. So anytime you see a hog with a short tail, that means it was raised indoors because they cut them off so the pigs next to them don't eat them. And that'll get infected and get your whole herd sick. So it's just a different style of farming. They were already cooking hogs. And so they asked me if I would cook something else, and I'm using my bacon I'm making a Louisiana barbecue shrimp. Uh, I got the recipe from John Foltz. I cooked with him uh, several years uh, doing some events down in Louisiana. And it's one of my favorite dishes, uh, even though it's not a South Carolina dish. uh, I kind of made it my own. Right. And then I brought my good buddy Greg Johnsman from Marsh Hen Mill. uh, That's based out of Charleston as well. Uh, And he raises heirloom grains and rice. Carolina gold rice, have you heard of that? He's the guy, he's one of the guys who helped bring that back. It was a lost uh, land trace grain. Okay. Uh, we also, uh, we're using the pink unicorn grits today. And so it's actually a pink corn. Uh, did y'all have one yet? We didn't have one yet, but okay. of course you mentioned grits. And then, of course, I have to say instant grits. No, no sir. <laughs> I didn't know there was such a thing. <laughs> Southern would have instant grits. Exactly. That, that's that's such a classic line, you know, from, was that my cousin Vinny? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Anyway, back to Tank. One of the things that now there seems to be a, uh, I don't know if it, they're getting back to it, but like with chickens, it, it's free-range chickens, chickens that are raised, you know, raised naturally and stuff. So is there more of a demand for your hogs now? Oh, 100%. Because, yeah. High demand. We're in high demand. I, I don't have a... Uh, demand it's a supply we can all it's a finite resource raising the hogs in the manner in which i do we can only raise about 400 pigs a year currently uh we've moved to a bigger farm so we're hoping to do around five or six hundred this year right. uh, but still for us it's not about numbers it's about quality not quantity mm-hmm. and i sell to some of the best chefs in the country uh, ignacio matos here in new york city sean brock in Nashville, Mike Lotta down in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, Shui Wong down in Charleston. Uh, right here in New York City, we have um, Michael uh, Toscano. He's actually my largest customer at Da Toscano here uh, on Manetta Lane. Uh, and then also he has a restaurant in Charleston called Lafer Fale. And if you eat pork at Lafer Fale, it's, it's our pork. So then, you know, the thing is... We, as consumers, all, you know, meat prices, whether it's pandemic-related or everything, is going up. But as the farmer who's handling the meat, how are you 
as far as you know trying to keep your prices at levels that everyone can afford i mean how how is how are your prices being affected first and foremost the biggest is the uptick in the feed i've had a 28 percent increase uh over the last year or excuse me since january this year a 28 percent increase in feed cost alone that doesn't even let's not even talk diesel you know what i mean that's crazy mm-hmm. you know i was paying dollar eighty five two dollars a gallon a year and a half two years ago and then now we're 575 someplace 550 you know it's crazy it's hard to make money when my, one of my largest in, in inputs is diesel fuel yeah so. there's got to be a level where you can make money but at the same time whoever's buying it from you is you know is able to afford it so that's that's what we're seeing in the stores is i mean you go well luckily luckily for my client my prices haven't really gone up that much and i deal with uh, the same restaurants and the same few retail clients all the time and me being the butcher baker candlestick maker i literally i run the farm right as well as distribution so there's no middleman so I can keep my prices a little lower than your typical big ag because, you know, the logistics, man. You know, it's pure logistics, and uh, luckily for me, and, and it also is great for me because when I come, I deliver the pigs. Every time, anywhere my pigs are sold, New York, New Orleans, Nashville, Miami, that's me taking them there in my truck. Oh, really? Yeah, 100%. And I deal directly with the consumer and the, and the chefs who are buying it. I mean, we're 95% restaurant sales just chef direct well it's wonderful that you came up from wait from uh, mississippi you said charleston south carolina South Carolina to new york for this great fundraiser what brings you here so uh i met jeff i met jeff years ago when they first opened pig beach he and i cooked some pigs together for some special events and he's a hell of a guy pig beach are a big supporter of holy city hogs they use our pigs for uh, barbecue competitions I can't compete with commodity hog prices, so I can't sell them ribs and pork butts. You know what I mean? I sell whole hogs, mainly to high-end chefs who are getting more for their plates. You know what I mean? It's hard for a barbecue restaurant to buy my pig and profit off of it because it's already a higher cost, and then you can't charge so much for a barbecue sandwich. You know what I mean? Right. But they're big supporters. Uh, Rob... uh, I, I do uh, country hams and bellies. Alan Benton at Benton's Bacon in Tennessee. He cures bellies and hams for me. And uh, also Dwight Muse out of Kentucky. Dakota hams. Take it easy over there, Damon. <laughs> That's what happens when you do a live show. Right? You never know <laughs> what's going to collapse. <laughs> well, guys, i got to get back to work. Yeah. Uh, no, we, but Tank, we appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you very much. Baseball and barbecue. You know, we have a bucket list. Right now, I can cross one off my bucket list. Oh, you're too kind. And he's blushing. But you know what? We are standing here with none other than Tuffy Stone. And I got to tell you, Tuffy, it, having a podcast called Baseball and Barbecue, to not say it's an honor speaking to you, it would be an understatement. So the first thing that I asked him before we started recording is beard or no beard? Because we asked the tough ones. All right, so these are tough questions. And so today I'm going to go with beard. <laughs> and and then you mentioned that your wife would make the ultimate decision. Yeah, I think we might need to call her and see what she says. Because it's happy wife, happy life. That's right. right. I think when, you get, when you've been as married as long as my wife and I have been... Uh, uh, you become more tolerant and a little more flexible, uh, endured, maybe is a good word. But uh, 
Yeah, I've been I've been sporting a beard for a while now. Although I could probably uh, be ten years younger looking if I shaved it off because it's more gray in my beard than in my hair. Yeah, no, I've got that too. I've got that too. The beard comes in very gray. So, Tuffy, I, I did some research, of course, and uh, where did the nickname Tuffy come from? So I was named after my father, George, uh, and my mother, Charlotte. Uh, she gave me the nickname Tuffy when I was two, and you know it just stuck. And actually, when I started my catering company back in 1993, I was having business cards made, and I was like, "Well, maybe I need to put George on there. It sounds more professional." But I'd already made a name as Tuffy <laughs> in the community, so I, it was so confusing. I finally just, you know, so here I am, uh, uh, many many years later, and, and Tuffy, Tuffy. It is. Yeah, but then you, so you also have the nickname the professor. Yes, so sir. now you got a nickname of a nickname. That's right. So John Marcus, who actually lives up here in New York, he created a show called Barbecue Pitmasters. Mm-hmm. And I was cooking one day in Dillard, Georgia, cooking barbecue by myself. And John called me. It was Friday evening. And he said, Tuffy, I got this idea for a television show. And uh, I'd like to send a couple of people down from New York. Uh, the following Monday to film uh, a little bit with you. I want to put together a sizzle reel and see if we can't pitch this show. I said, sure, that'd be fine. And then John went on further to say, he said, Tuffy, I got to tell you, he said, I cast your role as the professor. He said, you can talk for hours on smoke and wood and fire. And I was like, I I had to agree. I could talk a lot. So anyways, uh, he he, he was the one that gave me the nickname, the professor. So I was going to say, the professor, can you make a, can you make like a radio out of a coconut? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. For you the know, Gilligan's Island reference for anyone who doesn't get that. I, 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 I'm so glad that you know Gilligan's Island. Uh, uh, actually, the first barbecue contest, it's, yeah, it's, I don't think it's ready yet, but first barbecue contest I ever cooked at was in 2004, and I was cooking beside this guy named Taterbug, and Taterbug had made his own pit. And he, he was one of those subscribers, if you're looking, you're not cooking. Well, I'm sorry, i got to look. And uh, so, anyways, every time I'd open my pit, Taterbug shake his head at me because he just knew I was making, making a mistake. But he wore a hat that looked like Gilligan on Gilligan's Island. So, anyways. <laughs> Taterbug. Now, that's not a nickname. Taterbug. That's, he was named that at birth, right? Taterbug. <laughs> <laughs> He's Mr. Bug to me. <laughs> now, Tuffy, you, you've done... Many things, television, uh, you've won competitions. How does it feel, the fact that now you're like a celebrity pit master? I mean, it, 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 it's a weird, it must be a weird feeling to, to for that. Well, it, it, I think it, I mean, I can't speak for anybody else who becomes, you know, uh, a bit known for, you know, things that you do. But right. I'll never forget the first time that somebody asked if they could have their picture taken with me. And I was so caught off guard. I was like, you're, you're talking to me? And uh, when I looked at their face and I saw how joy, how happy they were, and I realized it, I realized at that moment that um, it wasn't about me, you know, it was about, and so, so you know, it's, it's, it's I've become, uh, I've been, I'm, I'm more used to people, you know, it's usually in a barbecue setting more than anywhere, but, you know, it's like my mom just raised me in a way to be nice and, 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 and you know, try and make people happy, and so it was, a, it was a little, it's a, it's a little weird sometimes. But you know, as long as I can make somebody happy for a moment, that's that's a good thing. Now I've actually heard that everyone that we've spoken to, you know, that and we've said, oh, we've, you know, we really want to get Tuffy Stone on the show, and they've said. 
the nicest guy that you ever meet in barbecue. So you have a reputation and uh, to be proud of because that is how people look at you. Well, it's nice for you to tell me that um, my mom's probably in heaven above smiling. Yeah. And, and of course, I, like I said, did some research, and you uh, were in the Marines for four years. Yes, sir. So we thank you for your service. Oh, thank you so much. Thank yeah. You. And you were a runner? In, was that in high school? You have done some stuff. Oh, I mean, I, I call it stalk, internet stalking. Yeah. You know, if you look around all my barbecue buddies, you'll see I'm, I'm one of the more slender barbecue guys out there. Um, I was all state cross country in high school. And oh, wow. So you're still running? No, I'm not. Uh, I probably, uh, I, I, I moved into cycling, and okay. uh, I probably need to hop on that bike a little bit more, you know, because it's so easy when you're when you're slight of build to say, oh, I don't need to work out, but everybody needs to work out. Yeah, Jeff's into cycling. Right? I am. Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I bring Jeff in. <laughs> Come on, Jeff. You want to ask Tuffy anything? Bikes, baseball, barbecue. Absolutely. You know, given name is George Stone. Yeah. Baseball and barbecue. George Stone used to pitch for the Mets. Oh, wow. So there's a little connection see, there. I, see, I can talk all, like, you You handle uh, baseball, and I'll, I'll, I'll do my job at barbecue because I've I don't know a whole lot about baseball. I like to watch it occasionally, but that's okay. Do we say so? Baseball and barbecue, we say they're perfect combination, like a Reese's peanut butter cup. They go great together. Oh, perfect. Yeah, and then of course Jeff says, "I don't like Reese's," <laughs> and I I was ready to kick him off the show. Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> that and a Dr Pepper, and you're good. <laughs> that's that's the perfect meal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, so Tuffy, we, we greatly appreciate it. All we're going to do, we, we don't want to take your time. You're here for this benefit. A lot of people are going to be coming in. They're going to want to meet you. So we're just going to say we hope that we can get you on the show. I would like that, and thank you so much. And as thank we you. say in the barbecue world, bon appetit. Come on over here in a little bit. We're going to have some uh, ribeye cap steak that I'm grilling with a simple rub that I've seasoned, uh, made. And I'm uh, going to do a little uh, uh, crispy bacon, brown butter. Uh, it's going to go on top and a little uh, gastrique. Uh, so not very barbecue like but still very good off the grill. Yeah. Made on a grill. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's all that kiss with, kiss with fire. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Thank you, Thank you much, so much. Duffy. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thank- that was amazing. Again. Thank you, Tank. Thank you, Tuffy. These guys just, they were there all day at this benefit. And it was the... Uh, Jeff Missioner. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. I, I always... Yes. for With, um, of course, uh, Pig Beach Barbecue. These guys, they're there all day donating their time. They're, I'm sure they're there on their own dime. And they just were terrific. Hopefully, they're going to have the event again next year. Although they say they will. So... We recommend that everybody go to that. We'd like to see uh, everybody there, of course. Ray, we didn't get to ask you this question. I, I teased this uh, during our last segment. You like how I uh, use the lingo? I teased it. Well, he's getting the lingo <laughs> down. It's only, it's only four and a half years he's getting the lingo. Hooray for Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, Ray, I'm not going to take credit for this because this is actually your question. But I th- we think it's a great one. So, Ray, why don't you ask the question, and we'll all answer it. My question to you, being the baseball aficionados and food aficionados, what is your ultimate baseball ballpark hot dog? What would be the dog, and what would be the topping, and what park is it at? Well, and if it's for- not at a park, if it's not at a park, 
what would be your go-to if you could? I've been to about 15 ballparks so far, major league ballparks, some, some minor leagues as well. And I have to go with the Dodger dog in Los Angeles, California. It's a, it's a, like a foot long hot dog. I mean, it, it, it's a lot of, a lot of dog there. <laughs> and I put on sauteed onions. That's my go-to thing. I'm not a big mustard guy. I'm not a big relish guy. I don't like sauerkraut, but I'd like to put on a nice heaping of, of sauteed onions on my hot dog. Ooh. Ooh, that is nice. And the Dodge dog is a mighty big hot dog. So yeah, probably costs a pretty penny too, but it, okay. I'm sure it's worth it. Yes. <laughs> so Ray, I'm going to jump in and I don't go to a lot of ballparks and, but when I'm having my ultimate hot dog though, because usually I'm staying in this area, but I love chili and cheese, chili and cheese on a hot dog. Um, it's, it's just. You know, and, and what's great is if you really pile on the chili and cheese and then it starts dripping off and you get a fork and it's like you just ah every drop. It's it's a meal. It's yeah, a meal. It's a meal. It's a beautiful thing. So I, I do love uh, mm. chili and cheese, although I do also I, I like a good, you know, mustard and sauerkraut, of course, is good. And But yeah, the chili and the cheese. So, Ray, excellent question. And now what about you? I think for me. My ultimate baseball and barbecue hot dog, when I think, because I, I love that combination of the baseball and barbecue, my combo would be a foot-long hot dog with a toasted bun and then barbecue baked beans on the dog, and then maybe some sauerkraut that's been steeped in beer on top of that and a little mustard. Wow. Nice. I think that, like, that to me is like, the ultimate baseball and barbecue dog. And I mean, if you sprinkle bacon on it, I wouldn't be mad, but you know, <laughs> oh. I mean that I don't want to oh. gild the lily. <laughs> wow. That that's, that sounds very good. Will that be served at uh, the new restaurant? The thing that make that got me thinking about this question was what would Jeff and Len's ultimate hot dog be? And why? And I want to add it to the menu as the baseball and barbecue, a dog named after my friends wow. and put it on the menu. But I, I haven't really narrowed down exactly what it is. But yes, <laughs> yes, it's going to be on the menu. Wow. There's going to be this foot long baseball and barbecue dog. But, you know, it, it doesn't negate the question, because I think that's a valid question to yes. ask people. It is, you know, when you're talking about the two great things that we all love, baseball and BBQ, and what would be your ultimate stadium dog, or what's your ultimate Americana baseball park hot dog? You mentioned in other parts of the country, and like in Milwaukee, they have the brat, right? Right, it, right. It might not be a hot, it might not be an all beef hot dog. It might be a brat. It might be a hot link. It might be, you know, who knows? What's your favorite? Yeah, brats are good. I do like I do like brats. Yes. I mean, when we went to see when we went to Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia, we ate uh, Bulls barbecue and that they served wasn't a hot dog. It was a sausage yeah. at, at the okay. barbecue place. And that was that was very good. So so, Ray, you have been an incredible an incredible guest co-host. I'm a little fearful of losing my job if, if we're being honest and 
when aren't we? So oh, I, I don't I don't think you have any problem with that, Hollywood. <laughs> well, maybe could, Jeff should fear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I, I, thank you so much for having me on. I you know I love you guys. Uh, I always have a great time, and uh, and I appreciate your friendship. Thank you. The feeling is mutual. Absolutely. So. Yep. As as we get ready to wrap up, everyone should know that we are brought to you by Bet Online. Ray, tell us once again, and everybody should take advantage of this because I, I don't know how to, to, you know, other than bringing you the sauce and just saying here, taste it, to know how good your sauce is. I mean, your rubs are great, but so I all the products are great. The books are great. I didn't even realize the books were going to be part of this promotion. So now it's incredible. Tell everyone again how they can get the savings at Barbecue Buddha. Sure. If you go to bbqbuddha.com, that's bbqbuddha.com and enter baseball bbq15 at checkout. Uh, you will save 15% on your entire order. And if you forget what the code is that you have to enter, there's going to be a banner right at the top of the page when you sign on to, when you when you log into uh, bbqbuddha.com. Right at the top, it's going to say, enter code BASEBALLBBQ15 to save 15%. So even if you forget the code, just go to the website. It's going to be right on the front page and enter code BASEBALLBBQ15 at checkout on bbqbuddha.com to save 15%. And this is not going to go on forever. So if you find this podcast, sorry, Jeff, through Father's Day, if you find this podcast in five years and you're like, oh, that's terrific. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) save. Sorry. This is Father's Day 2022. Father's Day comes. That's it. Sales over. Ray, this is extremely generous. We appreciate it. Our listeners appreciate it. Everyone take advantage of it. It's till Father's Day. It will this this will be great. Don't you guys love cooking on Father's Day? Sure. Oh, I love it. I right? love it. Yeah. Right. It's one of my fondest memories of Father's Day is going camping with my family. We would go every year to a family campground up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And I would barbecue with my son. And that's kind of what got him started into it. And I dedicated my first book to him and the fact that we barbecue together. Father's Day, very special to me in that regard. And just being able to spend that time together and turning everything else off, um, except for the grill. You know, uh, we just, we bring all our charcoal and our little setup and plenty of hot dogs and hamburgers <laughs> and uh, and just just be out there with nature and go for a walk afterwards, you know, and it's really nice. Yeah. That's very special. I like that. I like that. So Ray, Jeff, I, especially this show now, because we have Ray with us, I am very sad that we have to say goodbye, but we do. So everyone, we're going to end this show the way we love to with the poet, Shel Krakowski, the musician, Dave Dresser and their song baseball always brings you home. Looking forward to seeing everyone and listening to everyone. And what am I saying? You guys listening to us on episode 136. See ya.
Oh,